You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. And belly on up to the nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. My name is Chris. His name is Ed. This is Socks in the Basement. It's 30 minutes of socks for fans, by fans, right here from my basement uh, on the south side. And, th- and that's what it always has been, and that's what it always will be, Ed. And, and that's why we can sit around and we can we can be really honest about our feelings when we talk about the White Sox or talk about Major League Baseball, because in the end, we're not beholden to anybody, my friend. No. I know that every once in a while we say something and it'll drive somebody nuts, but we don't work for anybody. It doesn't really matter if we drive people nuts. I mean, the only people that matter are the people that listen to the show. And we're lucky when it comes to that, because at least I'm not the corporate podcast and NBC Sports Chicago that had to put out something within the first 24 hours after games were canceled to say that maybe it would benefit the White Sox. (laughs) That there'd be a shortened season. Like, I didn't even read the article. I, just, oh. I did that headline thing where I looked at it, and I was like, I'm not reading that. I'm not reading that. It came from their account, I, and I was like, yeah. not a, are you telling me there's a benefit to playing less games? You know what the beauty of 162 games is? If the White Sox, built to win a World Series, come out slow and have a bad couple of months, they can recover. That safety net is gone if you have a significantly shortened season. And so... I, right then and there, I don't need to read your article. I just blew it out of the water. Go back and find some more propaganda to tell White Sox fans that it's not a big deal that their season isn't starting on time. This is, goes back to what I said on the last show, Ed. You know, there, there's a certain group I'm mad at. It's owners, and it's particularly owners like the, the Pirates owner, Bob Nutting. You know he's one of the eight guys that won't approve anything because he'd rather spend $25 million a year on his team, even though Forbes ranked him just as rich. He and Jerry Reinsdorf, when they listed baseball owners, are basically the exact same amount of billions that they're worth. But he, he wants to keep his payroll at $25 million. He gets a vote. You get eight owners that are cheap like him. It doesn't matter what the other owners want. I don't know if Jerry's voting yes or no on any of these things, but I feel like that guy and some of these other small market owners, they're the problems. And that's who I'm mad at. So if, if you're not in the crosshairs right now, just shut up. You don't need to go to defense. We don't need to see any propaganda. I don't want to see people trying to find a way that this side is just as bad as this side. The owners started it. The owners locked them out. The owners waited six weeks before they started talking again. Owners, 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 owners. There's some problems with the players. Trust me, some of their asks are pie in the sky. But overall, this is bad for baseball. You can't put a positive spin on it, my friend. No, there's really nothing positive to say. And you're right. A guy like Bob Nutting, you sit there and you you honestly have to question First of all, if you had the last name Nutting, wouldn't you change that? But also, you have to question whether or not this guy is somebody who actually likes the sport of baseball or just thought that this was going to be a bigger return on investment for him than whatever else his portfolio has. Because if that's the case, if you are an owner of a sports team and you're in it for the profits, you are going to make money, yes, but... My God, why why would you do that? It's like saying I'm gonna you know I'm, I'm gonna manage a rock band, but I hate music. Right? You just you don't That's, do that. There's too many there's too many guys that own radio stations here that don't listen to music. That's what Major League Baseball owners are. 
Like, there's just too many of them that really don't care about the game. And I don't want to spend 30 minutes screaming about this today. Which I means already... Max Scherzer is going to end up playing baseball in his basement with his kids, <laughs> and NBC will broadcast it. Right. That's what's that's what's going to end up happening. Right. Because so that's what happened with, with radio station owners and us. So right. that's what right. that's what Yeah, pretty soon they'll be they'll be doing the podcast equivalent of uh, of baseball. It'll be wiffle ball tournaments in their backyard. That's what we'll be watching. We'll be watching wiffle, the, Yeah, wiffle ball tournaments in their backyard. <laughs> Major yeah. League Wiffle Ball with Max Scherzer on the mound pitching the Bryce Harper. That's Honestly, it. though, I, I mean, Jesus, wouldn't you want to see what Max Scherzer could do with a wiffle ball? Yeah, I do. I, I actually want to see that. And I right now, I'm, I, I kind of want to see that. I'm already, the wheels are turning, and I'm really hoping somebody that can put this together can put it together. I bet you it wouldn't even, I bet you it wouldn't even violate their contract, Right. Like if they if they started no, a, a funny wiffle ball league and they put it up online or they found somebody to distribute it and they just played wiffle ball and they hired announcers that would sit there and talk about their talking points. Think about how annoying that would be for Major League Baseball ownership because they're not playing baseball. They're playing wiffle ball with like that weird shaped like diamond that's much thinner. Like that would be amazing. That's what I want to see. If you're going to do that, I'm going to, I'm going to dig it. I'm going to, I'm going to buy tickets. It should be like five bucks a fan to show up and stand someplace and watch them play wiffle ball. I'm all in. hundred percent. Let's make that happen, man. We're brought to you by family waterproofing solutions. You heard the ad at the beginning of the show, family waterproofing solutions wants to make sure your basement's dry. Your foundation stays solid and they're going to fix any issues before they pop up or get worse. Have them come out, take a look at your place. You got some cracks, you got some bowing walls, you got some seepage. You need to have the sump pump looked at. Look, spring is coming. Water starts getting in the houses. Now is the time to take care of that issue before it gets worse. 24-7, 365, seven days a week. That's what 24-7 means. 708-330-4466. Give them a call. Check them out at familydry.com. Mention socks in the basement and you get money off. All right. On the show today, we got Devin DeYoung. Devin DeYoung is a veteran of Sox in the basement. He's been on a lot of times. I think he had just started with the organization in their player development a few years back. And we've gone through a pandemic talking with Devin DeYoung. We've gone through a 2021 season where he got a look finally at some of these guys that he could only talk to over Zoom with Devin DeYoung. And now he's going to be on this program as he's packing up his bags in a few days and heading down to Arizona to join all these young players that are not on uh, in a lockout that are able to work out with the White Sox, the the young prospects, and we're going to get his thoughts. We're going to get his thoughts on Oscar Colas. We're going to get his thoughts on some of these guys that were just recently drafted. We're going to talk about what they do in the offseason. Uh, this is going to be a topic that y- you can't ignore, especially when you don't have Major League Baseball to talk about. And I know you've got something planned as well a little bit later on here in the program. But another observation before we get to Devin DeYoung, and we talk yeah. a little bit about like, you know, player development and these young White Sox uh, prospects and opening day, second baseman by default, Colson Mon- Montgomery. Yeah. I, I, every time I ask him a question, I should be like, can he play second base? <laughs> I, you know, here, more or less. I got really aggravated the other day. Random thought that just popped into my head when you said that it, about these new rules that Major League Baseball wants to make. And one of them is getting rid of the shift. And they outlined it on the MLB propaganda network, MLB network. And Harold Reynolds stood out there and talked about how, you know, second base and first base can stay on only this side of second base and the shortstop and third baseman can only stay on this side. And this has been experimented with. And what you'll get is you'll get more athletic players and players 
that uh, don't swing for the fences, strike out a lot, and put the ball in all different places on the field will become far more valuable. And I was like, wow, right after we traded Nick Madrigal, because he's going to be a star under that system. He's gonna, like, I was like, I was like, if that's what baseball wants, we we really screwed up. Like Rick Hahn must roll his eyes when he thinks about what they're what they're talking about could happen if they got rid of the shift because it makes Nick Madrigal even more valuable. It's going to annoy White Sox fans for e- even more than it already does. Well, and it eliminates some of the plans of your mean Mercedes covering second base this year. That's for sure. <laughs> Do not forget, Sox in the Basement fans, that we will be out at Cork and Carry at 10614 Southwestern Avenue on March the 13th for the Southside Irish Parade. Sox on 35th is going to be out there. Another program here on the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. Southside Pod is going to be out there. We're going to have swag to give away. We're going to have a big old party as the parade returns to the Southside. Cork and Carry. Over at 106th and Western is a traditional Irish bar in the Beverly neighborhood. They have a beautiful outdoor patio and bar out there with screens outside. It's a great place to watch any sporting event, especially when the weather is warm enough to go out there. And I know that they're getting the patio ready for the 13th. I was just in there this past weekend. They have multiple event rooms for your next party. Make sure that you go there and check it out. I saw a wedding that was inside of there when I was in there on Saturday. Uh, it looked like everybody was having a blast. They've got different sizes, different accommodations for you. It's a lot bigger than it was, let's say, when you probably went to it 20 years ago. Uh, Cork and Carry is, is posh now when you walk inside, but continues to hold that neighborhood bar Feel and then do not forget about 33rd and Princeton, Cork and Carry at the park in the shadow of the ballpark, an award-winning menu of burgers and ballpark favorites. They are open right now and they will be the place to be when White Sox baseball returns to the South Side, hopefully very soon. Joining us on the phone line right now, he's been on the show a couple of times. He has played very close to where this nine-foot homemade oak bar is located. We're in Evergreen Park, and he once was a Windy City Thunderbolt. He's now currently a hitting coach. With the Chicago White Sox teaching the younger players how to do it and working on their skills, Devin DeYoung back on the show. How are you, Devin? Good. Thanks for having me. Hey, I'm happy to be talking with you. I think you guys are going to have a lot more people paying attention to what's going on with the younger guys, at least for the next couple of weeks or so. And so I'm glad you were able to jump on. I know you get an off season, and I know you get a, a break at some point, just like everybody else does, and you're going back to work and you're heading down to camp uh, coming up here within the next few days, next week or so. But take me through what younger players were working on from, say, like the end of the season. Where Do they get homework assignments, these guys? As far as the offseason goes, you know, they, they go home with uh, specific player plans. But a, a lot of it is revolved around establishing a routine that works for them. And, you know, some of that is backed up by, by data. Some of it is backed up by... You know, us, us using our eyes and, and understanding them as humans. and um, But, uh, you know, a, a lot of the things that we sent guys home with was, was approach-based and, you know, swing decision stuff. So go home, get your routines, you know, and come back with, uh, with a very fine focus on, on who you are as a player. You know, I remember after the 2020 shutdown because of the pandemic and then the shortened season, you guys had to do a lot of your stuff online and you had to do a different way of, of instructing these younger players. And I remember you talking with us on a, on a previous show 
about when they finally were able to get to a camp again, when they finally were able to show up in 2021, there were these leaps and bounds that were made because you were able to tell them work on this one thing, or you, you know, you were able to concentrate on building strength or just working on their bodies and their nutrition. And you said, watch out because there was a leap that was made with a lot of players. Did you guys learn anything in terms of how you're, you're giving your homework assignments and how you're instructing uh, any lessons from that, that new way of having to teach about a year or so ago? Yeah, I mean, the, the things you typically learn the, the, the longer you're around players is um, simple works. The, the more we can simplify a complex thing like hitting, uh, the, the better. You know, what, what we're starting to do now is, uh, you know, build, build drill packages and, and let guys pick from those. But, you know, it's all based on things that they need, um, things that we know they need. Um, we have a lot of information in the lab that, that helps us drive home their player plans. And, you know, I mean, the, the biggest thing that, that we learn from it is how much more simple can we make this for these players? Uh, how digestible can we make it? So as a hitting coach, I, I'm really curious, and maybe we can apply this to some of the questions that fans have when it comes to the big league squad you know, we've got a lot of young guys that are up here with the White Sox, okay? And there's more young guys that are down in the system that you're working with. But we've seen some guys make some leaps. We've also seen a lot of potential that everybody's waiting on breakouts. Like, what happens if Luis Robert gets a full, healthy season? What happens if Loy Jimenez gets back and the injury troubles are gone and he's finally able to realize that potential that we saw the year beforehand? As a hitting coach... Do you believe that there are that these guys continue to get lessons that they can continue to grow and build and break out, or is there a point where a guy is who a guy is? I mean, I know I know fans go back, they look at numbers like, okay, well, this has been the pattern for the last three years. This is what the guy is. Can you teach an old dog new tricks? Can you can you find a guy who's had an issue or has to unlock something? Is there a key to unlocking that and getting him to the next level? Yeah. Um... As a hitting coach, I, I always believe in in development for players. You know, I, I think everybody is capable of developing at, at any age, uh, but a lot of times it's it comes down to a decision that has to be made. You know, if something's working for a guy, they're probably going to stick with that, you know. Uh, and if they, if they have found success with it, then, you know, for us to get in the way of that, that, that might jeopardize the their performance but if, if a guy wants to make a change they you know belief is belief is the best mechanic so if a guy believes in what he's doing he's, he's more likely to succeed with it but yeah i, I think i think players can de- develop late in careers uh we, we've seen it plenty of times and i've seen seen plenty of older guys uh you know have have something quick late you know we had, we had a catcher with windy city that kind of figured out how to hit um you know, at like 25, 26. <laughs> so, I mean, there's every day you're around the game, you learn. So I got to ask you this question. I remember when we first talked with you, I think the first time you were ever on this show, you, you had just joined the White Sox organization. And back at the beginning of February, when the White Sox announced uh, once again, their player development staff, and of course you're back on the list and you've been on it now for the last couple of years, you, you know, you tweeted right out that you're blessed to have another year in this game, what is it like now as you've as you've kind of 
not only started with the team, then gone through that really weird year where you couldn't really work with the guys like you normally would, and then you had a pretty normal year last year. How does it feel now after a couple years inside the organization, the anticipation? Do you still get excited knowing that you're packing your bags and heading down to start working with players soon? Oh, yeah, man. You get home for about a week and you're itching to go back. The the hardest thing about about our industry is is leaving your family and your kids spending time away from, from loved ones. Uh, that's, you know, that's the biggest struggle that we all have. Any baseball wife is, or husband is going to be, you know, taking the, taking the brunt of all the work back at home. And so, so there's definitely, um, you know, there's, there's things that you, that you don't look forward to, but, you know, getting back onto the field and getting back with the guys and continuing development, that's what we live for. You know, I can't wait to be in Arizona. Is there somebody you're looking forward to working with when you get down there? Is there somebody that you can't wait to see? Is there somebody that maybe you've worked with before and you're like, I, I want to see if they, they remembered everything we talked about last year and they're ready to, to jump again? Who, who stands out to you right now that's a young player that, uh, that Sox fans should get excited about? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see all the guys. I believe in every one of our guys. But, you know, there's, there were some uh, pleasant surprises last year some young guys like uh you know hackenberg was just came in as as a pro man like he's he he was he was pretty polished coming in and and it was easy to help guide him as as a professional you know um he he had a lot of a lot of things figured out for himself so he's he's exciting i mean uh misael gonzalez had a had a breakout year i mean we we got a ton of guys that that have uh, high potential to hit. Uh, Wilfred Barris had had a huge year. I mean, it, there's a ton of guys. You know, Colson Montgomery, Wes Cap. They're exciting. I mean, it, it, our our young group is is something to watch. Montgomery and Kath are the two guys that I think would perk up the majority of uh, of Sox fans' ears just because of their draft position. Give me your impressions on those two guys, because I know that the the moment you said their name, somebody wanted me to ask you what you thought of them and. You know uh, how how they did and how how you think they're going to do moving forward. Oh man, I mean, Colson's just an all-around athlete. I mean, he he played multiple sports in in high school, and I have a small bias to Indiana Hoopers, you know. Um, <laughs> but he's <laughs> he's he's definitely got you know like an Indiana Hoopers grit to him the way he plays the game. And uh, just extremely professional, extremely poised, confident, uh, but, you know, like friends with everybody and it's just an absolute awesome human. Cap is uh, an extremely comp- competitive person. And, you know, as his, as his body kind of develops, he's, he's going to be really exciting. Is that one of those things you have to kind of think about when you're, when you're training these guys? Like, all right, I've got some young players. I mean, you got some young guys that you work with, and they haven't completely grown into what they're going to be physically. Is there ever a time where you look at them and you say, if you keep doing what you're doing, just keep eating your Wheaties, and eventually that's even going to get better? Is, is that a conversation you have? Yeah, I mean, um, it's more of a conversation for our uh, strength and conditioning and nutritionist. And, you know, the, the thing is, there's, there's so many people and there's so many departments behind these players that all work together. 
in order to get these guys just to move a level or just to gain 10 pounds, just to, you know, every, every piece of development is, is a, a huge collective effort. So like our, our strength and conditioning has done a really good job with, with, with all these guys. Like, uh, I remember last, last season, um, Mitchell Gonzalez was, you know, working his butt off and, He's working so hard that he he lost 20 pounds that he put on over the off season, and just like that, in in a, a matter of a couple of weeks, he was on. He gradually got his weight back and he's looking looking really fresh and better than ever mid season. Is there a part of you that just kind of like, as a fan, as somebody who's following the team, who might be on Twitter and notice things that are going down? Uh, in Arizona that can't wait to see just like stand off to the side and watch uh, Oscar Colas see if any of the hype is is real for him because he's one of those names he's one of those signings and he's one of those guys right now I'm noticing Sox fans are, are kind of drooling over because they don't know anything about him yeah I mean I'm, I'm definitely excited I was I was on the phone with uh, one of my co-workers that's that's down there and and he told me to listen and I was hearing the crack of the bat and it was it was Oscar in the background so you know, I think I think we're all excited about all the players that we have. You know, there's 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 a lot of talent that's there right now, and a lot of talent that's that's coming in the next week. I love it. I love that one coach told another coach who's a hitting coach, "Listen to this while he's on the phone," and it, because because yeah. there's something about the crack of that particular bat with that player. That that's amazing. That's awesome. Well, hey, <laughs> I, I'm. I'm excited for you. Uh, we're all baseball starved here. And so I, I appreciate you jumping on and talking about these young guys, Devin. I, I know that you're in the middle of uh, moving houses, staying in the same area. You're an Indiana boy, but you're, you know, you're doing that and you're getting ready to move, you know, thousands of miles across the country and start working with players. But I appreciate you jumping on and talking with us. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Ed, help protect the people and assets in your life. And your afterlife, estate planning, wills, trust, powers of attorney, probate, real estate closings, prenups, small business services like starting a business, selling or buying, or if you need a contract done, Village Law Offices is going to take care of all of it for you. They're out of Schaumburg, but they will service everyone in this listening audience. You think they'll handle Australian Socks in the Basement listeners? Uh, might be out of the jurisdiction, but <laughs> yeah, what the hell. All right. Well, the majority, the majority of them are in, in, in the northern part of Illinois in northwest Indiana. Uh, VillageLawOffices.com or give them a call 847-656-3600. We've, we've established one thing, and that is talking isn't going to get this done. Okay, they talk, they talk, they sit at a table, they talk, they talk across the media, they talk over here, they talk, they, they send their underlings to talk. Talking? No, not, not getting it done as far as getting this, this conflict resolved. So I want to bounce some ideas off of you of how they could play out the conflict resolution. And I, I want you to make some selections here, and then maybe we can figure out who would win in these, in these particular instances. Okay. So let's start with, uh, you know, something, something fairly benign. Let's just start with something along the lines of, say, an old-fashioned duel. And who's the duel between? Tony Clark and Rob Manfred? Yeah, they, they, they can send their champions, but yes, we'll, we'll say it's, it's Tony Clark and Rob Manfred. So just an old-fashioned swashbuckling duel. I want to make sure I understand what we're doing here. You're, you're going to say, let's take both MLBPA and MLB. 
and put them into other situations where they could settle their differences besides talking and sitting in a boardroom. So what if they had a duel? That's what you're trying to tell me. Exactly. Okay. Now I'm into this. I, I was trying to figure out what you were doing and now, okay, I'm into this now. So, so, so pick your, pick your style of duel. Do you want an old fashioned swashbuckling sword fight or do you want the, the pistols at dawn? Oh, pistols at dawn. I, what I want is I want the kind of duel where they meet uh, in the middle of the old Western town and they walk out there in the, in the chaps with the, with the hat on and they've got the six shooters, the, the spurs jangling. Oh yeah. yeah. That's, that's what I want to see. And the way I envision it is with that beard, Tony Clark comes walking out first with a shotgun and he stands there and does his monologue with Rob Manfred, who I, I would see Manfred in like the, um, the black and white cow stirrups or uh, chaps, you know, the really like corny yeah, ones yeah. from the fifties. Like that's what I see him standing in with his six shooters. And he's wearing a white hat cause he thinks he's a good guy, even though he isn't. And then Tony Clark, he, he, he puts the shotgun down pulls back the big giant black trench coat and you see his six shooters and now they're ready to go. So who do you think's got the quicker hand then? Tony Clark. He's an athlete. Rob Manfred dies before he gets his gun out of his holster. He probably gets jammed while he's pulling it out. Are you kidding me? And honestly, I, I, I see Manfred. If, if Clark is going to monologue, I see Manfred just plugging him like Indiana Jones <laughs> did with the swordsman in Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> you think he just in mid monologue, he just plugs him. Clark's holding, Clark's holding a shotgun for crying out loud. All right, let, let, let's go. Let's go pro wrestling style. Let's go a pro wrestling match, whether it's AEW, WWE. Well, it's got to be a know, cage it, match. Pick, it's got to be promotion. It's got to be a cage match so that they can't leave. It's got to be a cage match so there is a definitive winner, so nobody can run in and interfere. So that at the end, we know we have a CBA that lasts for a long time, and there's absolutely no way for anybody to have any shenanigans. You're locked in a steel cage, and and, and not only locked in a steel cage, but an I quit match. You're locked in, and it's an I quit. Oh, an I quit steel cage. Yeah. I like so this. Th- like either, and if it's not I quit, like I quit. This is the stipulation on this I quit. They either have to say that I quit, or they're unconscious and can't respond. Either way, okay. There, there is a definitive end to it. That's what baseball fans want: is definitive end. They don't want somebody coming running in at the last moment and hitting somebody with a chair. And there's a disqualification. We got to wait three more weeks for a match. It would have to be that way. Do you, do you see Tony Clark pulling the the like old school Hulk Hogan Macho Man move of they lift him up you know lift the arm up and it drops one, do it again two, three and before they can get to four he he just starts shaking the fist and he you know and he and powers out of the sleeper hold. Here's how I would envision it: Tony Clark to me I would have in gear similar to the Undertaker, right? Big imposing oh, sure, yeah. walks in flames going up in the air, right? Um. That's Rob, more Kane than The Undertaker, but yeah, I got you. Right. Rob Manfred comes walking in dressed as Bret Hart. He's got he's got the pink outfit and he's got the uh the the really silver the sunglasses. Yeah, that's what he walks in with. He comes in like that. That's how I see them going in. And he'll look really goofy okay. in that outfit. That's how I envision it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, he will actually <laughs> look really goofy. I think Tony Clark could pull off he could pull off an Undertaker Kane kind of vibe. Yeah, he's he's a big dude. It's a squash match. I mean, it's obvious. I mean, Clark gets in there and just oh, destroys yeah. Manfred. It's over. So, so far, I've got I've got Tony Clark in any other kind of conflict eviscerating Rob Manfred. All right. So here's here's the maybe this is the last category we'll go, but we'll go Stallone movies. Okay. So you can choose from Rambo, Rocky, or the dude from Over the Top. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. So we have I have to pick a Stallone movie. Yeah. And that that's how it gets settled. 
Like, like we're going to re- movie. reenact so, so, a Stallone So the movie. Rambo style is one of them's Rambo, one of them's either the cops or, or the bad guys, <laughs> depending on if you want to go first blood or you want to go where he's an unrealistic fighting machine who's got a 50 caliber machine gun that he's right. holding like a handgun. Right. No, uh, I don't think I'm going you there. Can go, you can go over the top and we can just do, you know, do the arm wrestling. Right. Or you can go Rocky and somebody's going to get the absolutes not kicked out of them, but they're still going to somehow come out ahead in the end. And have to kiss Talia Shire. I don't want Rocky because remember it ended in a tie in in the first one. Remember that ends in a tie. Uh, yeah, that's true. Ends in a ends in a victory that uh, a, a moral victory. A mor- or, there you go. Yeah. yeah, I don't want one of those. I want absolute destruction yeah. from one side or the other so that we can get back to baseball. That's what I want. So I'm going over the top arm wrestling. Tony Clark, Rob okay. Manfred. Okay. And I, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. It doesn't matter. If Rob Manfred keeps his baseball hat forward or if he flips his hat like he flips a switch and all of a sudden gets super strength like Sly does. Either way, his arm gets broken by Tony Clark. See, here's the thing. With your scenarios, there's nothing. But but, but does Manfred have a kid that he needs to reconnect with during this? Because that that might put him over the top. No pun intended. He seems like the kind of guy that may have, you know, some sort of a strange relative. That he got, he got himself like really rich <laughs> and he kind of forgot about somebody, right? You, you feel like there's something going on there in the background of a Rob Manfred. It's, it's like a cousin or right. something, though. He's, it's not even going to be a kid. He's got sad eyes and he's also full of crap. So he'd be the kind of person that would have like forgotten he had a son or like, you know, was estranged from a relative. Like, because, because think about it. When he was asked a question when they were announcing they were canceling games, he was asked, you locked out the players at the at the beginning of December. You didn't talk to them for like six weeks. And then you tried to rush this at the end. Do you think you could have handled this better? And his response was, we've been talking for 10 days. I don't know what the problem is. I mean, that's pretty much what he said, right? right I mean, yeah. he's in complete yeah. denial of reality and thinks that whatever he comes up with in his head is the truth, even if it isn't. So yeah, he, he'd probably be the Stallone character. He can flip the hat like he flips a switch, but he still loses in that last battle to Tony Clark, because Tony Clark is a beast. And so that's the thing. Like, that, I don't see how any kind of physical confrontation between these two sides, between these two figureheads, you know, for the, the figurehead for the owners and the figurehead for the players, I don't see how Tony Clark doesn't win every time. The man is, the man's jacked. So basically what we've established is in a, in a battle of physical, he is outmatched, Ron Manfred. Right. So... Really, what we have to do is we have to get into a Princess Bride-style game of chance. <laughs> so, okay, will he have put the poison in front of himself, or will he have put the poison in front of Tony? Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on socksinthebasement.com.